It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What a huge win for the Auburn Tigers. I'm Zach Blackerby. He's Daryl Dapridge. This is a special live postcast uh, of Locked On Auburn, talking about the Auburn Tigers win 66 to 55. And man, it was an 11 point win, Daryl, but it didn't really feel like it until those last few minutes of the game. But I think we learned a lot about this team in this win, Daryl. Yeah, you know, the way you win games like this really builds character. You can take so much and glean so much from this game. Texas A&M, traditionally a team that gives Auburn fits. They like to muck it up a little bit, be physical. It's like a bloodbath type game. Buzz Williams seemed to have Bruce Pearl's number. But the difference this year to me is the key role players, the guys that held Wade Taylor down, that can come off the bench. Again, depth helped. I think down the stretch, and you probably have the exact numbers. I don't think AM hit a field goal over the last nine minutes of the game. That tells me there was leg fatigue, and Auburn was the more aggressive, fresher defensive team. So it didn't help them offensively as much depth down the stretch, that second wave scoring, but it did defensively. And what a win. You need wins like this. They were yep. ugly. They're ugly, but they are just, you get so much from it. You really do. Yeah, nine minutes and 15 seconds. The last nine minutes and 15 seconds, Texas A&M did not score a field goal. And then Auburn ended with a 7-0 run in the last 52 seconds. Of course, a lot of that it was them fouling, but still. Jalen Williams, what a moment for him to step up and just nail that three. In fact, Daryl, you and I were watching it, and we were we had the conversation. We we're like, okay, who do you want to score here? You said Janai Broom to the rack, which would have made a ton of sense. I said Jalen Williams. They popped it over to him. And, and just one of the bigger shots of his Auburn career. You were uh, like prophetic. You were really prophetic tonight. I mean, you the first thing that happened is that Auburn brought the inbound in. And you said, I'd almost rather them get the offensive rebound here and run clock. It happened. And yeah. then you're like, who do you want to take this shot? I'm like, I like Broom going to the rack. You're like, I think Jalen. And then Jalen hits the three. So if you want to just text me some lottery numbers uh, in the next five minutes, you know, that would be beautiful. But yeah, it was, I think, I think the things that needed to happen down the stretch did happen down the stretch for, for Auburn. And again, these games that it just looks like you're going to have to get in the mud and it's physical and it's like a bloodbath. And it's just, like I said, it's, everything seems hard. Nothing comes easy in a game like this. A&M did a good job expanding and extending their defense. And uh, Auburn had to fight for everything, but give them credit down the stretch. When they weren't hitting shots, they said, okay, we're going to have to win this game by the way we defend. And that's exactly what they did. You know, they came out the second half and had some turnover problems. Uh, but even that, Zach, look at the ter- total turnovers. They still were a plus seven on the turnover ledger. So even though they turned it over, they said, well – we may be struggling, but we're going to make you turn it over too. That's just winning mentality basketball. Love it. And, you know, this was this was a big, big win after what happened Saturday. Uh, I just feel like they can learn so much. These are the kind of wins that propel you in the tournament. I think so. And if you would have asked Texas A&M and Buzz Williams, how did you want this game to go? I think how this game went would have been their answer, Daryl, because it was sloppy. It was mucky, I think, is the word you've Mm -hmm. used a few times. 
And it, I mean, it seemed like every possession there were guys falling on the ground, which is what Texas A&M wants to do. They want it to be ugly. They want it to be physical. And that's exactly what they got. Fortunately, we saw depth come through. In the last 10 minutes of the game, you could tell which team was deeper. And fortunately, that was the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I think um, the, the the rebounding was was as advertised. A&M is an elite offensive rebounding team. They, get, they average about 18 a game, and they have a knack for just timing is important with offensive rebounding. But they they spread you out a little bit with the way that and they they're really good at tapping the ball back out and keeping it alive. I think Auburn was really really at a different at a disadvantage early on in the game with the rebounding standpoint. But once they got that under control a little bit, from like the I don't know eight minute mark left to go in the first half to the rest of the game, it was probably even. That enabled them to get that extend that lead a little bit. But A and M really they they they're very disruptive offensively on the glass. They put hands in passing lanes. They're diving everywhere and scrapping. Give them credit. I mean, they play hard and it's not that an Auburn matched that effort. It just looks different the way Auburn does it. Um, right. You know, I just, I think they just, it's a different type of, of, of effort. And again, here's the key to the offensive rebounding for Auburn to get out in their transition offense, which is so crucial in Auburn mm-hmm. beating winning games, you got to rebound the basketball. So if you can't, and you're 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 bringing it in under to your basket, and A and M has an opportunity to get back down the floor, it takes away a big offensive advantage for Auburn. So rebounds become that even more crucial because it's defense to offense is what happens. You trans you transition pretty quickly. When Auburn started hitting transition shots late in the game, they yeah. took the game away from A and M, and that's that's the, that's how they play. That's their style. Right. Yeah. Offensive rebounds. Texas A&M won that 19 to 8. And then when you look at second chance points, they outscored Auburn 10 to 1 on second chance points. I mean, if that And Auburn still up, wins double digits. I mean, that's just That's who I, this team is, man. Exactly. Like, this is a good t- I underestimated this team. I underestimated this team. I mean, this team is having guys step up, but it's not all the transfers. It's the no. dudes who were here last year that took a huge step forward. I mean, Dylan Cardwell had some incredible moments in the first half. Trey Donaldson had some pretty, uh, pretty uh, significant plays there. Janai Broom took over in the second half. And in fact, there was a moment about 10 or so minutes left to go in the game where Janai Broom said, we're not losing this game. And you could tell he wanted the basketball. He wanted the guy that he was defending to have the basketball. You could tell that in his body language. And, there's just so many guys that want the moment and the guy that you and I, and most of the Auburn fan base have wanted to want the moment was Jalen Williams. And he took it. He had the ball in his hands in the most crucial possession of the game as the shot clock was expiring. And and he nailed that three point shot. So there's just so much to like about this Jalen Williams, eight of 10 (laughs) shooting for 22 points. I mean, Jalen Williams just keeps getting it done, Daryl. He's figured it out. He's figured it out. And everything that everyone felt like Jalen Williams could be, he's becoming. And I love that. I'm going to say something else, too. Last game, we talked about the Auburn depth. And you said, okay, with this second wave, it'll be interesting to see who Auburn has on the floor 
late in the game, right? Well, the yeah. last five minutes, it was all Trey Donaldson. Yep. He was on the floor. He was the one that they put the ball in his hands. Other than that silly turnover with under a minute, he really made good decisions. And um, I think that answered the question. Not that I totally have thrown Aiden Holloway away. I think he's still going to be elite. He's still going to be special. Um, but late in crunch time, we saw who Bruce Pearl wanted on the floor. And you know what? It's very interesting. It wasn't Denver Jones who starts. It was Katie Johnson. Mm-hmm. Katie Johnson and Trey Donaldson, two bench players, were in the last five minutes of the game during crunch time. I think that speaks volumes about the buy-in from the bench. And we've seen Bruce Pearl teams where the point guard coming off the bench gets more minutes than the starter. We saw that in 2019 with Wendell Green and Zepp Jasper. Zepp was a starter, but Wendell Green would come in, and he usually would get you know 24 minutes or 22 minutes, you know, Zepp's 18-ish or something like that. So it's not like we haven't seen this before. And some of it is they want to stack those minutes. They want to stack Aiden's minutes with guys that can create off ball. And Trey Donaldson, I think, is able to create more with the ball in his hands than Aiden is at this point in his career. I think that will change over the course of Aiden's time here. We'll see. But I think all of this is strategic. And the fact that it's even a conversation is incredible. Like Every college basketball team wants to be having this conversation of like, well, which point guard is better? They're both good. They both seem to play. They're both worthy of 20 minutes a night. And that's exactly what they're getting. And you can see that across the board. I mean, it's a pretty nice even split with the exception of a few. I mean, Janai Broom played 28 minutes tonight to Dylan Cardwell's 12, which actually surprises me a little bit because I thought Dylan was money in the bank in the first half. So that Mm -hmm. it felt like he played more than 12 minutes, which is a testament to when Dylan was in, um, in his 12 minutes, he was three for three for his six points, including some, uh, some, some important and timely scores that, I think his first dunk was when Auburn was in a slump and they were down a little bit and they had like no momentum whatsoever. And Dylan was kind of the one to get him going there. So of a Janai broom with, um, with 28 minutes, Jalen Williams with 35 minutes. I don't know how sustainable that is, but I do think that's worth pointing out. Well, a couple of things, Jalen Williams played 35 minutes. Let's just be honest because Cheney Johnson struggled. Uh, when he came in the game, it was d- difficult to watch. The kid there was like a three-minute stretch that was yeah. one of the worst three-minute stretches of basketball I've ever seen someone play. It was, and you it couldn't was put not him, good. You couldn't put him back on the floor after that, so that's why. The second thing is look at how many teams in the country in the last five minutes of a close SEC game crunch time have three of their bench players on the floor. Only two starters, Broom and Williams. Right. Chad Vicker-Mazzara, Katie Johnson, Trey Donaldson. Bench players during crunch time. That speaks to depth. And the other thing about Dylan Cardwell, I think his presence in the game settled Auburn down rebounding-wise a little bit. He started snatching some boards and kind of got that under control and said no more offensive putbacks. And, you know, he's physical. And he when he grabs a rebound, it ain't coming out. He settled Auburn down on the defensive glass a little bit besides the big shots he hit. Again, he has become vital to this team. He's not just a minutes eater anymore or not just serviceable. He's vital. And I think he could have gotten more minutes. What the problem was, he got four He got four fouls. He was in foul trouble. And um, that's probably why he didn't get back on the floor. 
Uh, and then by the time it got close with five minutes to go, of course you want Broom in there because offensively he came alive. But you mm-hmm. put a Cardwell in maybe with seven or eight minutes to go, and he could have with, – without four fouls, and I think he could have really, really helped. So kudos to him and the way he's playing. I want to see Denver Jones – hitting those open shots. He was stroking those early in the year. He missed three or four wide-open threes, a couple that could have been daggers. So I think maybe those will fall again Saturday. It just was a little bit off tonight. Um, But again, you shoot the ball that poorly from the three-point line, and you win double digits. You get out-rebounded, and you win double digits. It's just they have – here's the thing. When teams have figured out your formula – and the things you've been doing to win, and they get you out of that, and you still win by finding other ways to win, that's scary good. And this is where this team is really finding, I guess it's it's footing on different ways to win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And it's a situation where, you know, those offensive rebounds for Texas A&M, they shot the ball 11 more times, but A&M shot 29% from the floor. Yeah. And I think some of that is A&M has like almost no touch around the basket based off of what we saw tonight. But the scrappiness and just relentlessness of this Auburn defense is just, I mean, it's tenacious. I mean, it's, well, it, it's fun to watch. Yeah. It helps when you don't put them at the free throw line 31 times like we did last year. Um, you know, you early on, you could see the referees were letting them play, swallowing their whistle a little bit. And I thought, don't complain if you're an Auburn fan. That's a huge advantage because you're not putting AM, you're not getting them in the bonus, you're not putting them at the free throw line. They shot zero free throws for a very, very long time. I think maybe in the first half they didn't shoot any. I can't remember, but they didn't go to the free throw line. So you knew it was coming to kind of equal it out in the second half, but that's a big advantage when the wet refs decided to swallow their whistles early. Because, again, you put any team on the free throw line 31 times, even if they only hit 25, 24, that's huge. So Auburn did a good job defensively in taking Taylor out of the game and Radford, who wants to go to his left. Auburn made him go to his right. Um, Coleman hurt Auburn a little bit. At one point, Hoke tweeted out, this was just amazing. He had 13 points in 11 minutes. Coleman did the transfer from Duke. And then once we got him settled down a little bit and got in his head a little bit and started blocking his shots, he disappeared. He David Copperfield on us. And so I think that's that was big. There's so many well, things to the, the take Coleman from this that are kid, positive. Did you see that special on him? Like what his favorite dessert is? I did not. What is it? It's the it's any kind of turnover, an apple there turnover, you go. I guess. He yeah. ended up with seven. So bad. Wow, job. that's a lot of turnovers. A lot of turnovers, especially for a big that's mm-hmm. not handling the ball, you know. Six nine, mm-hmm. and he turns it over that many times. Pepper's wow. Farm is his new nickname. Yeah, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. All right. I think everybody's going to say the same name. I could be wrong, but drop yeah. your player of the game in the chat. Very, very curious as to who, um, if anybody says anybody other than Jalen Williams, I'm, I'm interested to see. Maybe some KD? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is the best place to buy all of your Auburn swag, whether it's hats or shirts or jerseys or pullovers or jackets. It's all officially licensed stuff. Um, you want to make sure you've got the good stuff. If you're an Auburn fan. You're tuning into this show at almost 11 o'clock on a weeknight. You love Auburn, so you need to sport the best Auburn gear you can possibly get. Alumni Hall makes that happen. They've got physical locations in Auburn, Opelika, and Huntsville. Daryl, you've been to all of them. I've been to oh, all yeah. two of the three of them. They're, they're, they're great. 
the selection and price is awesome. So be sure to do all that, or you can go to alumnihall.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Daryl, most people saying Jalen Williams, um, which I I think. Well, it's him or quarter zip OTV guy that gave the officials all that they wanted in the first half. Yeah, One of that the two guy's of the a players legend, of the game. and he has no clue. He has no clue. Yeah, he uh, he got after him pretty good. Uh, so it's either him or Jalen Williams, but I'm going to go with Jalen Williams as my player of the game. I'm going to go out on a limb there. Yeah. The um, dunk, let me just say this, too. We talk yes. about the three, but the dunk, I mean, I, want, I wanted to call 911 and report a dead body. That was unbelievable. It was insane. And it was an and one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how strong it was. The guy still, the, the A&M player hit his wrist, and he still threw it down like that. I mean, those dunks are becoming legendary, and they are game-changing. They really are momentum-wise. Yeah, he just kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a glide all the way to the yeah. basket. It happens so fast. They scored in transition so quickly. I mean, I, I shot up off the couch, and that took a lot because I did legs yesterday, and my legs are very, very sore and uh, I almost woke my uh, my kids up. But that was – I haven't reacted that way to a dunk in a long time. The three highlight dunks this year so far are, are all of the ones that are get you out of your seat dunks, like you said, are all Jalen Williams. He came down the lane one time mm-hmm. during Christmas where I said he came down Santa Claus Lane. Then he had a tomahawk, the game I was at it against Alabama State. He has just done – I tell you, he is becoming an all-first-team SEC caliber player. You pair him with Broom, who is that level as well. Look at your front court. You know, it's just it's it's everything that Auburn needed him to be. He's becoming. So I can't have enough adjectives to describe him. Really, I mean, it it really is amazing the jump that we've seen some of these players have. Like we saw signs of Trey Donaldson taking that step forward in March last Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. Jalen Williams I mean normally when players are here for so long or any spot for so long after their fourth year third or fourth year that's typically just who they are you know you see a big jump for your freshman year to your sophomore year then you see another pretty sizable jump the following and then after that it really tapers off but to see what Jalen Williams has done what Dylan Cardwell has done and Janai Broom I mean he's an upperclassman He's played a lot of college basketball. And just to see what these guys have – Katie Johnson's another one. To see all these guys take this massive jump forward from last year to this year, it's not like they're freshmen to sophomores. This is These are older guys. So, I mean, it's just pretty – it's pretty wild. I mean, it's why it like are we watching something pretty special right now? Yeah, and it's why what happens in March matters because I believe that what happened in March for Trey Donaldson propelled him – and springboarded him and gave him confidence into this offseason. Jalen Williams last year was very streaky. He'd be a guy that would have 12 first-half points, look like the best player on the floor, and then you'd put out a missing report, missing persons report on him in the second half because he wouldn't score again. Well, not this year's version of Jalen Williams. 
he comes to play in the second half too and finishes. He stacks halves. He stacks performances. He doesn't have two good games and then disappear for three. That's yeah, a key too, he, having continuity throughout the season. Yeah, he stacks halves and he snatches souls. And he yes. just doesn't care. He just doesn't care about you. No. And it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And we've talked about, sorry, man, my nose is like, can't quit itching. But we, we've talked about like the wanting somebody to have that killer mindset. And I, it's Jalen. And he's a dude who hasn't had, he's been at Auburn for like 10 years, it feels like. And he just, we've begged for this to come out. Like, where is that? Like, that's what he needs to do to take the next step. And I don't know if it just clicked. I don't know if Bruce Pearl said, if you don't take over, like, I, I just, I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe it was a confidence thing. It's like, you are the winningest player in Auburn basketball history and something clicked as far as his mentality. I don't know. I don't know. But this is not the same dude. This is not the same player that we've seen his million years he's been here at Auburn. I mean, Jalen Williams snatching souls like it's his job, Daryl. Well, and here's the other thing um, that's really telling to me is if you look at the three position that Auburn's been really getting some great play out of Chad Baker Mazzara the last couple games, if you look at the stats, I don't think Chris Moore, I don't think Chaney Johnson, and I don't think Chad Baker Mazzara scored tonight. You have that in front of you. If if Chad Baker Chris Moore did not, and Cheney did not. How about Chad's, Chad Baker? He went one for six. He scored two points. Okay, so you get two points out of your three position. Mm-hmm. That's been giving you a lot. You know, about fourteen or fifteen up to this point. You get three points from them. You get out rebound. I mean, again, and and you still win the basketball. And the point guard play wasn't that stellar. You know, from a scoring standpoint, Holloway hits his first two threes. Donaldson gets some get some baskets in the second half, but it really wasn't that dynamic as well. And so, in the two guard position was all KD. Really, mm-hmm. he backcourt need to step it up. Frontcourt won this game, but at the end of the day, you have all those things going against you, and you win double digits. I mean, it's just I don't know that yeah. it, it's, it's it's you can't overstate that enough. Mm-hmm. It, it's really special. It really is. Yep. Trey Donaldson, his plus minus was plus 23. Holy crap. It was plus 31 against Arkansas. Look at that. The last two games. And just for like perspective, Jalen Williams was eight for 10, 22 points. His plus minus was 15 mm -hmm. and Trey's was plus 23 in 21 minutes. What was KD's? Eight. Okay. In 21 minutes. I I thought it'd be double digits, but. Me too. God, that's on un- that's ungodly with Trey Donaldson. He's averaged plus twenty six in his plus minus the last two games. Yeah, and he's uh, I mean, he went one of five. Like he wasn't great from a scoring perspective, but, but he distributed the ball and found the clearly, open guy and re- clearly reversed it. Yeah, I mean, he did a good job on Taylor too. I think he guarded. You know, we just know that Holloway's got some defensive deficiencies as a freshman. He's going to have to get figured out. Donaldson will lock you down, and I think he did a really good job on Taylor who had six points all in the second half. You take that all day or eight mm-hmm. points. I can't remember how he may have hit a couple of garbage free throws late, but that's a big him getting him and Radford to, to play under their, their normal season averages was really big. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this was a great defensive effort and I think this is oh, a great defensive sure. team. Somebody yep. said Auburn's now fourth in Ken Palm. That's insane. If that's true, 
I, I mean, take care of business Saturday at home. Yeah, Auburn and, is fourth in Ken Palm. Houston, Arizona, Purdue, then Auburn, then Tennessee rounds out your top five. Alabama. I'd take that seven. four for a Final Four right now, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I would take a Final Four. LSU, who comes to town this Saturday, is currently 84th. So Yeah, they won again tonight, but they, they won at home two. against Vanderbilt. They beat Texas A&M on the road, which is pretty impressive. But, again, I think Auburn – Plays plays better Saturday shooting the basketball than they did. A and M's a tough team to score against. They're tough defensively. They do a lot of unorthodox things. They get you out of your sets. They get you out of things. They're very very scrappy. I mean, look at Auburn's season average and what they compared to what they scored tonight. Right. They make you get down in the gutter with them and play ugly basketball. And Auburn did it and still won by eleven. Yeah. I mean, they've won like every game by 15, I think, this year. Yeah. So this was nice. I mean, we learned more about this. We got more out of this win than we did blowing out Arkansas. I Absolutely. So. Absolutely. All right, let's play our favorite exercise. Next five games, what's our record? Live chat, flood it up. LSU this Saturday. Next week, they go to Vanderbilt, who does not appear to be very good. They host Ole Miss. It's going to be a Saturday night game 7 30 at neville that place is going to be crazy they go to alabama wednesday evening that's 6 30 and then one more then uh they go to mississippi state the following saturday on january 27th so wrong answers only what are the what is auburn's record of the next five i'm saying four and one me too and i'm i'm you know last postcast i said it could be the vanderbilt i don't think so i think auburn handles them in memorial gymnasium i don't care about that voodoo so it's either the mississippi state game on the road which technically auburn's played really really well in starkville i mean they haven't lost there in a while still not an easy place to win in the hump but or it could be you know in coleman uh alabama if they get hot the way they did tonight or shooting the basketball but i say four and one Mm -hmm. you want to predict the the loss I don't, I, I can't, I can't pass. because I could see them winning all five and I could see them losing two of the five. I, I just, it's, I mean, I, you know, I'm leaning more towards Coleman just because if Auburn goes in there on that streak and that place will finally get some fans in it because of who they're playing and what Auburn draws, who knows? But I, I think four and one, the next five. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I would take that. I mean, I, realistically, the one you're probably most likely going to lose is Alabama, but I still would take that. But I don't know. Yeah, I'd rather lose this. Obviously, we all would rather lose in Starkville. If you have to lose one, I'd rather lose at Mississippi State. But I, I you know, think I'm you, with you. I think I'm yeah. with you. But We'll see, though. We'll see what Auburn can do from a depth standpoint because here's one thing about that, and I know we're looking way ahead. That Alabama team can shoot, and they are very good offensively, but I think Auburn defensively will change that. I don't think that they're going to be able to have the kind of offensive explosions they've had against other teams playing Auburn the way they guard. Now, on the flip side, Alabama does not defend. They don't guard. I mean, they held South Carolina to 47. Do the analytics love Alabama, though? And they keep, like, they've played a lot of good teams, but they've lost against them all. They have. I think, again, at the end of the day, when they're shooting the three like they're kid, when they shoot the three, they'll beat anybody. But if mm-hmm. they don't and you and you guard them and make them a little uncomfortable, they're not going to 
in turn guards you and get into a defensive slugfest. So that's where Auburn, uh, you know, I like that because as long as Auburn can play the kind of style of defense they're playing, Alabama's not guarding anybody. So that that's a big v- advantage for Auburn. We'll see. If they're hitting threes like they hit them tonight, it, mm-hmm. they, they can dang near beat anybody. Yeah. All right, any takes or questions? We'll wrap up in a few minutes, but if anybody's got any good takes or questions, would love to discuss them. Um, if anybody's I'll- joining us from the East Co- from the Eastern time zone, we're about three minutes away from Wednesday, so happy hump day. All right, several people wanting the quarter zip guy on the podcast. If you know the quarter zip guy, reach out to me. We'll we know his name. We know his name. Oh, do we? Don't yeah, say, I'll say it. it. I won't. I'll, 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 say, I'll tell you off the air. Yeah, we know his name. Yep. Oh, I got a text about it. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. What yep. if we'll come on for a postcast? So we'll see. That'd be special. That'd be good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to have somebody on the postcast that was even more emotional than me, even a little bit high, more high strung than me. Yeah. And this dude would fit the bill. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, a few people have made comments about SEC officiating so far. I haven't had a problem. I didn't really have a problem with how the game was called tonight. We should be glad the way the game was called tonight. Now, in the second half, they cleaned it up a little bit and blew the whistle more, which is always going to happen to keep the, But the first half, when they set the tone and swallowed the whistle and let Auburn and AM play, both play physical and body it up a little bit, that's advantage Auburn because AM is not dynamic offensively and they get a ton of their points from the free throw line. If you're not putting them there, it's a huge advantage to Auburn. So you should be glad that the officials called it the way they did early on. Yeah. Um, Jesse saying the goaltending calls were bad. Yeah, I mean, you don't see that called that often, but every every uh, every crew is a little bit different. So we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Daryl, how can people check out everything you've got going on? Follow me on X, DAP6410. Uh, join me and you, I guess, Friday morning. Um, for our and tomorrow and we also have one tomorrow morning that that uh yeah will drop so we did a little double dip on that and then on monday mornings and tuesday afternoons various shows across the auburn network yeah uh we're so close to fifteen thousand subs please if you're watching right now and you are not subscribed please consider subscribing it's ridiculous it feels ridiculous even saying that we are like 40 away from fifteen thousand. that is unbelievable and thank you guys so much for supporting this show and making all of this possible, but we'll be back in the morning. Uh, yeah, Daryl, like you said, he'll be joining us. We talk about who we think uh, Auburn should hire as uh, the next defensive coordinator, as well as a bunch of other things. So uh, be sure to check that out. Read all of my written work at auburndaily.com, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.